0: Welcome back to the Greg Horenda Show. I love that music, Kenny. It's appropriate. And Saturday at the Burgundy and Blue scrimmage, someone told me that Bruce Hamburger and I are like the odd couple. Felix and Oscar. I'm definitely Oscar. (laughs) On the Greg Horenda Show, today we are honored and privileged to have the Associate. Head basketball coach, my right-hand man, Bruce Hamburger, on the show today. Bruce, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: It's been a while, Bruce. There's been a little controversy, Kenny, that I'll explain. Is I've had almost 120 to 130 guests, and I've never had Bruce on. And that really tells you what kind of a guy. Bruce is the under-the-radar, chill-daddy-jones business like like he does he's not a limelight guy but I was asked by a few people why don't you have and then I found out Bruce now you can tell me if I'm right or wrong that you were kind of itching to be on the show and uh, so I did not want anything to blow up between us uh have you wanted to be on the show for a while or what's your feeling about the show and you being on it
1: no, I'm, I'm honored to be here today. I, I definitely could not compete with uh the majority of the guests that you've had in the past. So yes. uh you know, I I uh I guess I know my my place in life and uh I'm well, I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be here today.
0: Bruce is a humble person because right now his accolades and I didn't have to do much much research, but there's so many things about Coach Hamburger and they see you on the bench Uh, with me in the middle of the heat going to the NCAA tournament. But people don't know, uh, people that know, know that Bruce was uh, P.J. Carlissimo's longtime assistant uh, at Seton Hall University, and you were one whistle away from winning not the NEC championship that we did together, but winning the NCAA championship in Seattle, Washington. Uh, not many people sit in that seat. Bruce, let's go back to that. When you were with P.J. and Michigan had the ball and they're coming down the floor, do you remember like vividly when Ramil got quote-unquote fouled? Is that something you try to block out? What What kind of imagery do you have? In your mind about that moment?
1: Yeah, no, pr- pr- pretty strong, pretty, um pretty good <laughs> recollection of it. Yeah, it, w- it was kind of an open court transition, you know, not a thousand miles an hour. And Ramil right. R- R- was such a big, strong, physical guy, and he, you know, he he was going against Joe Green, our point guard, who was a great, great defender, and you know, the, <laughs> one of the best refs in the country made the call, and we we've said that all along. The guy, the guy was top three four officials and you know it's a judgment call and right um you know I I guess especially as an assistant you know and 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 at that time I I had done all the scouting so it was more you know what's the situation timeouts what what's he what's he he was a bad free throw shooter so you know we're trying to tell guys he's a 60% shooter you know block out right talking to PJ about timeouts and um You know, probably, again, in the moment, you don't realize uh, the call itself. I I do remember, you know, so the game ends, obviously we lose, we we go back to the hotel, you know, and and this was pre-charter flight, so, you know, we're we're in Seattle for the night after the game, and... You know, getting packed and organized for an early flight the next morning and have the TV on. I don't know. It was probably, I'm sure, ESPN. And they, they go back and, and show it. And sure. then it's like, oh, man. Like, you know, like because we we didn't see the video yes. right afterwards. And, you know, obviously the NCAA, they never show the controversial calls on the big screen. So, sure. you know, uh, whatever it was, two in the morning, you're you're watching it as you're packing. And then oh. it's kind of like, oh, man. When um, you
0: watched it, what was your – do you remember your emotion? Were you mad, surprised, shocked? What was your emotion?
1: More Surprised, shocked. You know, I, I, I've i always been pretty good of getting over right. games. And I've never – you know, and everyone always asks me. I've never watched the full game. I mean, I've, I've seen the call a million times. I, I, right. And it seems – not as much now, I think, as – time goes on but in 10 or 15 years after that game it always seemed you know come March Madness they were shown at ESPN Classic and you know people are calling and texting hey the game's on this so I I mean I've seen the call a thousand times I've never watched the whole game I mean I have again a a pretty strong recollection of the game but
0: um you know how do you how did how do you think if you if he doesn't make the call and you win the game does it change your life, do you think?
1: I don't know. It's a good question. Good question. I I, I don't know. Um, you know I, I was still pretty young at that time. I, I don't know. I was 27, 28 years old. And, right. Uh, you know, I, I was very happy being an assistant there. I mean, I grew up five minutes from Seton Hall. I yes. I used to... Sneak in the gym when Bill Rafter was the coach to go to games and sit behind the bench and, you know, listen to him carry on, which was certainly worth the price of admission. And, you know, I'd sneak in there as a kid to play, pick up. So to be able to coach there living five minutes from where I grew up was was terrific and we were really good and right. you know at a young age PJ gave me a ton of responsibility sure. I didn't have to recruit at the time which at the time I thought was great now looking backwards I probably should have gone somewhere where I could have recruited more right. to just make myself more marketable. in my mind I, I wanted to coach and I was coaching I was doing right. all the preparation and, and the X and O and the basketball work mm-hmm. um he obviously had the opportunity to go to Kentucky, turned it down to stay at Scenic Hall. I right. I think if he had gone to Kentucky and, and he, you know, talked about it, he right. he would have taken us with him. I think it probably would have changed more in that regard, yeah. career wise, just the magnitude of Kentucky. Exactly. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean I, I I don't look back and regret, right. you know, anything in my time there. I mean, I had a great nine years there. You know, an
0: incredible yeah. history at Seton Hall that is really hard to capture. How about now, Bruce, we get the job, in our first year here together, we'll jump forward, we go to Seton Hall, Kenny, at the Prudential Building, and I was an assistant, Kenny, with... Coach Hamburger, and we go back there and we beat them. I mean, looking back, Bruce, I remember preparing for the game, and, and you. I'm probably more being the odd couple. I'm the more emotional one than the two. I don't remember a lot of emotion like let's go back there and beat these guys, but that was a great – Win, uh, t- uh, take me back. How how do you feel about that game? In yeah,
1: I, I, obviously a great win for us. But hey, I, I have the same recollection. Not a lot of oh, we got to go back to beat Seton Hall. We got to beat right. the next team on our schedule. Exactly. And, um, now, I when I was at Kane, we played Seton Hall when Tommy Ammer was the coach. Tommy, you know, did us a huge favor by playing us, and we were able to get some money out of it. And sure. I think at the time, we and still may hold, we set an NCA record. I think the game started thirty three nothing. Seton Hall was up, <laughs> so I, uh, our our win was a definitely a much better uh, yes, better uh, feel feel and recollection of that night. I, I was looking to sneak out the side door, <laughs> and, uh, K- and
0: we're going back, Bruce. Yeah. So for our right. fans out there, November tenth, our opener is in the preseason NIT. We're going back to the scene of the crime yep. and playing the Pirates on the floor. And right now, we've played them twice since we've been here. We're one and one and. A lot of people are around Fairleigh Dickinson are calling this the rubber match, but they're they're very very they're returning like Bruce is the, our, our our scout aficionado don't they do they return four do they have four senior four, starters four
1: senior I was just reading something the other day too and they're they're all twenty one and older uh, I mean they're men you know not they're men. not that we want to think about it too much but not trying they're, not to they're, they're returning a terrific core group and. Um, you know, obviously Kevin's done a very good job there of building the program and getting them back to being really relevant. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a heck of a challenge for our guys.
0: Something that a lot of people might not know, unless they're on Wikipedia or really following you, is you were an assistant basketball coach for the New York Liberty in the WNBA. And I remember when you took that job, um, and I, I just thought it was a great move for a lot of reasons. Tell me... What you liked about it? What was hard making the transformation from you know college basketball to pro basketball, not only pro basketball but to women's basketball as well?
1: Yeah, and as I look back, it was a really good move. I thought at the time, um, and I, I had done a lot of research. I had spoken to probably a half dozen. Male coaches who used to coach on the men's side who were then coaching on the female side, right? And and every guy to a T told me, and they were a hundred percent right. Said coaching's coaching. They don't care, you know, where you were, and you're once it, once it starts, you're not going to know they're male, female. They're not as athletic, obviously. It's a different game, but sure. they just want to know that you, you know you're there for them, and you know what you're talking about, and you know it, it was a very good experience. I mean, uh, again. I've been really fortunate. I haven't had to move all over the country. As, right. as a kid, one of the coolest things as a kid, obviously, like you, you know, you're you grow up a Nick fan in the garden. Yes, every home game, I would get there oh. probably. 45 minutes before the players had to be there. And I would literally just go out. There was no one in the building and just shoot around for a half oh. hour in mass and, and I was like, this is the coolest thing. Oh. That, was, that was definitely one of the perks of the job. But, yes. you know, it, it, it definitely opened my eyes to a different style of basketball. A pro game is obviously different than college and much more exposure to pick-and-roll basketball. And, you know, I think the pro game always seems four or five years ahead of the college game. Now the college game is all oh, pick-and-roll. So true. it really – Gave me a good education on mm-hmm. just pick and roll basketball, the the pro mentality, the preparation, the professionalism. Uh, the downside was it, it was a business, and and that that aspect I wasn't crazy about. You know, yes. there were some decisions that were made that. You know, I've always had, well, who's better? You know, this kid's better. That kid should play more. That kid should get... Right. Your and you're talking sort of, about money. Yeah, there were definitely some business aspects of it that that opened my eyes. But again, a good perspective. You know, good perspective always around. And I did enjoy the two years. Bruce,
0: I, I can't let you slide. This is the the show behind the, the, the person. So uh, Bruce Hamburger growing up, 12 years old, you're playing in Columbia. Like, was your dream to be a coach or did you want to be a nba player or what was what did you want to go to college and play basketball what were you like at 12 years old
1: yeah lo- love to play that's all i did was play um you know i was the I ultimate it. gym rat i wasn't that good and i knew i knew i wasn't that good um i i was really small growing up yeah. I, I got cut four years in a row in high school and somehow i just kept playing and <laughs> actually played a year in college uh, JV at Quinnipiac, which sure. at the time was a really good D2 program. Yep. But I knew, like, hey, I'm a, a slow white guy. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. And I knew I wanted to teach. I knew I wanted to coach. Initially, I thought I'd be a high school coach and a high school teacher, and, and right. I would have been really happy with that. And I was fortunate enough to coach Mark Bryant at Columbia High School, who ended up playing at Seton Hall, who was a top 50 player. And I I just saw in his recruitment kind of what college coaches do and i just right. thought like wow that's that's pretty cool and i I've, I've been really fortunate i've worked for great people i've been, worked at great schools and just people that i know people that i'm friendly with and uh and i've been able to do it basically where i've gr- lived my whole life so you know seeing what college coaching was kind of uh right just gave me a different perspective and then i said you know i don't want to teach i i want to be a college coach and i was fortunate enough right upon graduation to Get a graduate assistant position, Trenton State. I was there for two years. Went to Kevin Seton Bannon with Kevin Bannon. So, who's a terrific guy to work for, and and he was really young at the time. So we just we enjoyed it. We had a good time, and he kind of, you know, showed me what co- college coaching is about. Sure. And and then you know. Eight years with PJ, one year with Coach Blaney together with with you guys, and yes. uh,
0: and then was able to run my own program for eleven years. So I, I've been. How much do you miss that, bro? I know you have to look at me and say, "What is this guy doing?" Because our our personalities and the way we go about doing things is is different mm-hmm. that you did, but. Do you miss having your own team? How do you feel about being an associate yeah. head coach? No,
1: I, I enjoy – I definitely miss being a head coach. And I, I think with my experience since then, I'd be a much better coach. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel at times guilty and I almost feel bad for the kids that I coach that I probably didn't do as good a job. And I think I was good, but I didn't do as good a job. As I would now, I just mm-hmm. I just have such a different perspective, having right. worked for a lot of different people now and a lot of different. Because again, for 20 years I was at two schools, yes. and then you know I I was at Caldwell for two years, I was with the Liberty, I was at St. Peter's for three years, you know right. four years here. So I, I have a much different perspective. Where if I was able to, ever able to get an opportunity to be a head coach
0: again, I, I I like to think I'd be much better than I was first time around, Bruce. I'm at the Final Four and I'm involved with the FDU job and I'll never forget it. We ran into one another like outside a concession stand. And it's like and, and Kenny, me and Bruce go. We got into business at the same year in 1983, and you were at St. Peter's and John Dunn was doing a good job. And, and I'll never forget it. Bruce was like, "Right, you got a second? And Bruce doesn't mince words. Usually, if there's nothing to say, it's I'm like you're Like, if you do get Fairly Dickinson, I'd be really interested in potentially working for you. And I was like. I was thrilled, but surprised because St. Peter's is in the MAC and Fairleigh Dickinson's in the NEC, and we just we had a Herculean job in front of us here. Why? Why the initial interest? If you don't mind me asking yeah. you, yeah, yeah, no, um, it's, it's a good question.
1: You know, just uh, and again, I had a terrific time at, at St. Peter's with John. He was he was great to work for. One of the best defensive coaches I've ever been around. Again, gave me a just a, another perspective of how to prepare and, and practice and game planning. But I, I, at the time, I was ready for a change, and I just thought—I was kind of excited. I've never been in a situation going to a place where it was totally rebuilding. You know, when I got to Seton Hall, we were good. Um, right. obviously taking over your own program yeah you're rebuilding even if you if even if the program was good sure. but that kind of excited me at that time in my life I just thought you know what it would be a good change St. Peter's again is a, is a great place and you know you grew up oh, in that yeah, area yeah. but it's
0: a tough place it's, you know in terms it's Jersey of Jersey City man yeah
1: recruiting wise and getting kids to campus it, it's it's a challenging place but again a really good place to work and John treated me really well but I just felt you know what let me you know, again, it's crazy how things happen. Yeah, we saw each other, and I had yes. heard through the grapevine, you know, your name involved, and I said, so, you know what? I just, it was, it was, it was, it, it was timing. You know, and that's that's half of this business is timing and just fit, and you know, just, uh, you know. It well, was you just know what, Bruce? I gotta
0: say this publicly. I couldn't have been luckier. I took a job over that was really, really hard, and you need your people around you. You've been as loyal as, as a human being could be. You're, you're uh, a big part of this program. We were at one shiny moment once. We're going to do it again. And I can't thank you enough publicly, personally, um, for being on the show, but being my associate, but most of all for being my friend. And I, I'm glad I got you on the show, bro. Nah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's the commissioner of New Jersey basketball, Bruce Hamburger. We'll be back after this. Hey, this is Bill Cower of CBS. You're listening to The Greg Horrenda Show on WFDU.
1: The time is
0: short
1: and the road is long In the blinking of an eye